Karen, I'm going to get you to define some words because I want to use them later. And it was such that I had to look up at least one of them. So are you ready? They're all words starting with the letter I. Words starting with the letter I. What the heck are we doing here? First word is uh, invisible. Oh, I know what that means. You can't see it. can't be seen. Okay, this is a little bit harder. Indomitable. I would say it's someone who can't be overcome, something that can't be overcome easily. Yeah, it, uh, they don't give up quickly. Don't give, someone who doesn't give up quickly, okay. Okay, the last one is insidious. Insidious. Something that is oh, not, not overtly negative or evil, but is underneath, it's the, subte- the evil subtext that lies underneath a person's demeanor or their uh, their words, Insidious? Did it come close? You're at very all? close. Yeah, it's it's treacherous. Treacherous. Uh, there's okay. a sense of slyness to it. These are all words that are describing our enemy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I just wanted to make sure people understood what they were because if I listened as a new person and those words were used, I'd think that's a little bit beyond me. I have to look that up, but I probably wouldn't. Okay, uh, we'll talk about it and we're going to put it in the context of our great enemy, Satan. Okay. Wow. Welcome to the Before We Go podcast, featuring Dr. David Maines and his wife, noted author, Karen Maines. Here's David and Karen Maines. What triggered this in me, Karen, was I got a very disturbing phone call the other day. Mm -hmm. It was from Commonwealth Edison. Supposedly it was from them. And the voice on the other end of the line said, you haven't paid your bill for some reason in the last two months. And I said, that's not true. I paid my bill. And they said, well, you haven't paid. And then they named the amount. And I was getting my checkbook out. I said, I, I did. I paid that. And then they gave the next month's amount. And I said, I paid that one as well. In fact, wait just a minute. And I got my bank statement out. And my bank statement said that the, the first check, not the second one yet, but the first check had already come through. I said, it's come through. Doesn't matter, the voice said. We didn't get those checks. And we are going to turn your power off in an hour if you don't send us money in accord with what we said. Well, I've never had a call like that before. And I, I said, you know, you're joking, aren't you? I always pay pay my Commonwealth Edison bill. Oh, no, this is not joking at all. You're going to, we've tried to contact you before. You haven't paid. And I'm thinking, what? And about this time, your wife walks into the room. Yeah, you're, you're kind of wondering. You're because, flustered and getting uh, upset because you're not being heard. And yeah, In fact, I said to the guy, do you have a supervisor? Because I want to talk to that individual. I've been a customer for years. And so they gave me a new name. And he said, I've looked at your record. And you are a very good customer. You've always paid on time. But these two bills have not been paid. I said, that's why I wanted to talk to you. Because the first person was quite rude. And I have paid those bills. I'm right up to date. I've never been late with a payment. And your wife says, hang up, David. It's a scam. I've never had a scam call Hang up, David. It's a scam. They're trying to take your money. And you know why your wife knew that? Because we get a magazine for retired people, AARP, and they do a lot of articles on scamming older generation because hundreds of thousands of dollars have been taken from people who are older, just like we are. Well, they were trying to get my They were trying to get your money, honey. Dollars. And finally I did. <laughs> I just said, I'm going to hang up. And then I called Commonwealth Edison. And I said, would you tell me if I'm paid up on my account? Yes, you're paid up. They looked at it immediately and said, 
Well, I got a call, and here's the number that I was... It was an initial call on my cell phone, and then I called the number, and then I talked with these scammers. Those dirty guys, it just... I'm thinking, I'm 83 years old, and that bothered me, but what if, what if I were single? What if my wife hadn't walked in when she did? <laughs> Who reads the articles I probably should read? But it, it just was very, very aggravating to me. It got me to the place where I was thinking, that's a little bit unfair. I wasn't ready for somebody to lie to me or take advantage of me and then on top of that try to rob me. Yeah. Well, we we don't really run in that crowd very much. You know, not that kind of a crowd. So you you weren't used to it. Well, I'm a a preacher. Right. So I immediately put it into... You you spiritualized. You made a metaphor out of it, right? A living metaphor. Uh, This is 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, the Apostle Paul. And he says... I'm writing the way I'm writing to you, which was quite strong, quote, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. And that's when I began to look up, you know, here's my opponent, and I really haven't given him as much credit as I should, Satan, because Satan is invisible. Satan is indomitable. He doesn't quit. He just keeps coming and coming and coming. He is insidious in that he is sly and he is crafty, and he is treacherous. And I'm thinking, oh man, I haven't given him the credence that I should, probably. So what we want our listeners to do right now is to take the scammer idea, and as we talk about the enemy and his approaches, just think of that scam phone call. You'll have (laughs) it right there. Someone's trying to do you dirt. They're trying to deceive you. They're trying to take precious things from you or hard-earned funds from you or whatever it is. Trying to pretend to be your friend. Right. Trying to pretend Um, to be your friend. Right. Jesus said about Satan, Karen, these are very strong words. There is no truth in him. Mm. When he lies, oh, this is a great line, Jesus. It's a funny line, but also a very strong line. It says, when Satan lies, he speaks his native language. Okay. Isn't that strong? That is a wonderful, wonderful For he is a liar and the father of lies. Mm Mm-hmm. I have a sense that maybe someone listening to us would say, Satan, I mean, you're talking about the devil? Mm-hmm. Nobody talks about the devil. He's a joke, isn't yeah, he? Kind yeah. of the redhead, mm-hmm. the red red cloak, the, mm-hmm. the horns, the, the, the trident, you know. The truth is, Scripture presents him as a very real being. Beautiful. He was a beautiful angel. We say the Lord's Prayer every day together, mm-hmm. and then we say... Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one. Right. So we have very strong feelings about Satan being real and being, again, this insidious, invisible, indomitable force that we're wrestling against all the time. I was reading Karen in uh, Sprague. Now, that's a name most people wouldn't know. Uh, he's This is American from your theological writer. library. Yeah, so I was reading on a different topic. Lectures on Revival. Mm-hmm. This is almost a classic book. So when did he write? What? Uh, the Second Great Awakening was in the early 1800s, and he's writing probably 1830, something wow, like that. Wow, this and is really... looking back. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when I read his words... A little archaic a little bit, to yeah. us, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's basically saying when people become new believers, mm-hmm. we have to treat them with great care and give them warnings because their world is going to be different now. And one of those warnings, he says, is that, well, I'll actually read it, read it from his words here. Remind that new believer also that, quote, he has a powerful, invisible enemy to contend with, the enemy of all good against the influence of those whose wiles 
no condition in life can secure him. So he's saying you got to be careful about the enemy. Now, this is the part that I wanted to read. It is true of every Christian, you're to say to these new believers, that there is some one sin to which he is more inclined than any other. What that sin will be in any particular case may depend on the previous moral habits of the individual or on the circumstances in which he is placed or on some original infirmity. For as bodily disease is most likely to seat itself in the part which is originally the weakest, so the depravity of the heart usually concentrates its energies in some passion or appetite which is marked by the greatest degree of natural perverseness. He, therefore, who ascertains in his own case what that sin is Mm. and who regards it as the most formidable enemy to be encountered in his conflict and succeeds in gaining victory over it accomplishes much in the way of his sanctification. Okay, let's de-theologize the word. Well, and also bring it up to date as far yeah. as the language is concerned. But it's very strong when oh, he's writing. Oh, it's extraordinarily strong. So what he's talking about is what I have learned just really the last 15 or 20 years is called a prevailing sin. It's a, a, a core area of your life where you're extraordinarily vulnerable. And we've learned to live with that prevailing sin, but what we need to do is begin to name it, to examine ourselves and to begin to name what that besetting sin is. So I can tell what mine is, but do you want to talk a little bit about yours? <laughs> you need somebody to lead. I, I just assume you let off here. <laughs> Well, I think they change over time. Yeah, that's probably true. Although mine has been with me a long time. I just, it's, I have to learn to live with it. I get rid of mine faster. Okay. <laughs> uh, I would say that my prevailing sin, which is new to me, mm-hmm. but I'm becoming more and more aware of it. Uh, we had a conversation with a friend about trauma. Mm-hmm. And that friend said, probably 90% of the people... She's writing about it. It's a writer's yeah, group. ...have trauma in their background. Uh-huh. And I thought, I must be in the 10% because I have very little trauma in my background. Then I began to think about it more, and I went you, through... I think you were thinking about childhood trauma, maybe, or I'm, I don't know. Anyway, well, she, she was talking about things like childhood sexual abuse and uh-huh. such. But then I look back on my life with the, the death of a son. That's, uh-huh. that's a traumatic experience. Uh, and I, I began to look at my life, and I named six or seven of those. And I said, it happened since you were adult. Yes, yeah. and I said, Karen, you know what? We've gone from one trauma to another, losing your ministry. Mm-hmm. That, that's a huge trauma mm-hmm. to go through. Falsely accused in the public. Or yeah, saying we were New Age and, and losing, in many in many ways, friends, whatever. Our donor base. Lost lost income. Yeah. Anyway, having said that, that's not important right at the moment. But to say, in all of that, I realized that I have been very careful in my life not to allow those things to happen anymore, where you get blindsided. Mm-hmm. And it has made me a fearful person. And there are times I say, Lord, I'm not going to move out on that because I know what that's like when you get clobbered. You'll get blasted. Yeah. And so <laughs> so fear is something that's new to me. Mm-hmm. And that is that is a sin, especially when you're afraid of what God might ask you to do. Mm-hmm. Because I, in my earlier life, was very I was very prompt to be obedient, even though it was a frightening thing, because I had to step out in faith in different ways. So fear... Fear is something that I'm I'm wrestling with. In okay. fact, I was confronted by a friend the other day and said, I think you're afraid to do this. Uh-huh. And I said, yeah, I am. And uh-huh. if God told you to do it, you would be afraid to do it too. Uh-huh. So yes, that 
probably is my prevailing sin, but it wouldn't have been my sin back at the time where when I you were young and eager and a visionary. And yeah, God said, "Go into the city. All the churches are leaving. You go in and start a church in that neighborhood with all the churches." Not only that, make it an interracial church with an interracial staff. That was forty-five some years ago. Yeah, and, and I did it. Yeah. You know, we did it. We yeah. did it together, and it was a but wonderful it was your experience. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So fear, yeah, that would be a prevailing sin in my life. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay, well, my I took one of those temperament um, evaluation tests. Um, a friend made it uh, available to me and asked me to take it, and that helps you see what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. So my prevailing sin is envy. And Would you, Shall we blow a trumpet first? Can I go? Doo-doo-doo? Please don't. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And this is a characteristic sin. I mean, it's something that has been probably a part of my life, my adult life. And it manifests itself in this way. I don't want fancy cars. I don't want a lot of material, expensive clothes. I don't want, um, I certainly do not want fame or recognition. We've had enough of that, and we've suffered the consequences of people knowing who you are and wanting to take off after you and such and such. What I envy is the fact that people of means they live high, but don't use their money to work in the the fields of the poor and the helpless and the powerless. So the way it affects me personally is I would like to have more money to be generous. <laughs> this is a real tw- tricky one, um, and that's a great thing. That's a, a lovely quality, but I get resentful when I don't have enough money to do what I would like to do for other people, even our grandchildren. I mean, you know, there's so many wonderful things that go on, and I'd like to buy a bunch of tickets and haul the little ones down there and expose my our older adult grandchildren to the things I've seen around the world where we I've walked through those refugee camps and gone into those slums in Africa, and it just changes your whole life. So in uh, this morning, there were a couple letters that came through. The Quakers are just do. They have there's a group of Quakers who are doing an extraordinary job in Washington D.C. lobbying for peace related issues. And I'd love to send them a check, you know. And then there's a, a woman I know who teaches. She teaches literacy over the phone by phone or you know modern technology to those who are literate but want to teach literacy training to those who can't read. And I'd love to send a big check or any kind of check to someone like that. So there's where my envy comes, you know. And I often find myself saying to the Lord, why do you give money to people who aren't generous? And don't give money to those of us who are really generous, you know, big-hearted and generous. So that's how it, you know, it gets judgmental. It gets critical. So it has all these. It, yeah, it has spinoffs. Attaches, yeah. Attachments. Yeah, it has been off. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing that I have to watch. And I don't recognize I've slipped into that kind of negativity until I sit myself. She sits herself down and says, okay, what's this about? You know, and mm-hmm. then I have to I have to confess mm-hmm. that and, and write it, make it right mm-hmm. in my spirit. Okay. So we're naming. Right. And probably we could say, what's number two on your <laughs> list, Dave? But that gets tiresome people listening. We've given illustration. So we're just asking trying people, to be vulnerable. People to do the, the same process, you know, same process of looking in and saying, what is the besetting sin in my life? So like Sprague in his book writes, it's just good. You name it, and then that, in a sense, sets you on the right journey because you say that's a problem, and i got to be careful in that area. Well, and I think we ask God to help us with that. Or we might even ask our friends or our family members to say, okay, I have a terrible critical spirit. You see it. 
in the way I use my tongue. I'm so sorry. Forgive me for the way I, but it, it sources it's this critical spirit in my soul. There's a critical spirit. So will you pray with me? Will you gently remind me when I'm getting critical? Will you call me to account? I mean, that can be done with family and friends, trusted advisors. So that's one of the ways we overcome having a besetting sin. Yeah, it's wise to be aware of the tactics of your enemy Mm -hmm. because the enemy will use that. It will be like the guy on the phone with me. Knowing that you're you're a senior Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um, he's got your... Your check numbers, he's got your home phone number. How in the world he got my check numbers, I don't know. And Commonwealth Edison didn't yeah. know either. But so, he had them, and, and boy, it was amazing to me. And you would be befud- absolutely befuddled by that attack. That's mm-hmm. not You don't work with people like that in your life. You don't go into a group thinking there's going to be a, a deceiver in mm-hmm. here among these folk. But that's the same approach we have to take mm-hmm. when the enemy comes against us, and he will. That's what we're saying to people. He will come against you he will come against us so you want to watch out beware so you're you're working ahead of the game right i know that's going to happen so i just uh, got another question for you Mm -hmm. which is harder to break a good habit or a bad habit oh well i know the answer and i know that you know i know the answer but a good habit is as hard to break as a bad habit isn't that interesting though it's really interesting isn't it basically because you set up a pattern in fact when you establish a good habit, say you're talking about your prevailing sin, and then you begin to establish a good habit in mm-hmm. relationship to it, you almost make yourself uh, invincible. invincible. Yeah, yes. right. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways you can do that is by checking yourself every day, maybe at the end of the day, mm-hmm. or the next morning. I do my devotional work in the morning. I have a prayer journal I've kept for 40 years, journals. And you look back in the day before and you say, is there any point in that day where that prevailing sin took over and I succumbed to its temptation? Succumbed again. I blew it again. Oh, I blew it again. God, forgive me. Give me strength to recognize it today so I don't give in to it. That's how we how we develop a good habit. You do it the next morning. Yeah, I do in the morning. As you look back on the day before. I kind of do it. You do it all through the day. I, you have a devotion. Well, through the day, but then I have, I kind of, at the end of the day, I, I rework my day. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to me, just in the quiet, how the Holy Spirit will speak and yeah. say, did you realize that you didn't give that person full attention? Mm-hmm. You were somewhere else, mm-hmm. and then you left quicker than you should have. Mm-hmm. And that person really wanted help, Yeah. but you basically gave them the message that you were too busy for Yeah, them. and your schedule was your to-do mm-hmm. list. Was more important to you than that person's need. Now you're yeah. getting really personal, and just you talk about yourself, and I'll talk. About I was just a for instance. That's all that was. I wasn't nudging you. You ever said that about me? Oh, Karen was here, needed my attention. I I haven't come to the place where I allow you to go through my day and play the role of the whole. No, Spirit. should I? should I? <laughs> uh, sometimes you're helpful. Sometimes God speaks through you. Not all that often, but sometimes he does. So. Anyway, dear listeners, we have a lot of fun in our, mar- our marriage. We joke with one another a lot. But what we'd like to say to you is this is a tool that we're giving you, these tools and these suggestions for you to overcome your besetting sin in combat the scammer who's liable to come over the phone or at your door. Catch and you by surprise. Get, catch you by surprise, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I was doing real well, and then all of a sudden this 
crazy interruption came and got me upset and threw the whole day, day off. That's that's what besetting sins are like. It's yeah. kind of like the devil. This guy's doing what pretty well. I, let's let's I use kick, old number seven. How on can him. That's, I that's kick, his kick, kick him weakness. in his wounded spot or his yeah. wounded spot? I give him a really good kick there, and that's going to throw him off. Throw yeah, him off. Uh, last time I threw him a straight one right down the middle. He knocked it out of the park. Get him with the knuckleball. <laughs> throw a slow one. He won't be ready for that. We would get we're dealing with an enemy who wants to destroy us. Yeah, it's, we're uh, laughing, but the yeah, truth that, is that. that. That's Peter. You, you Be careful. Watch out for attacks from Satan. Your, Your great, great enemy. He prowls around, around like a hungry, roaring lion looking for, for some, some victim, victim to, to terrify. Tear that's him. Yeah, that's him. So anyway, if if we can get people to hear us, it's saying, okay, see if you can come up with what that besetting sin is. If a person listens to us right now and says, I got five besetting sins, what do I do? Start do with one. Them? Start with one. That's right. Pay down the, the one account. Like we're being taught in financial conversation. Pay down one charge card, then you go on to the next one. So start yeah. with one. Yeah, and then be glad. You say, I only got four of them left. Pretty yeah. soon I'm only going to have two of them left. And boy, when I am free. Then I will be in, indomitable. Yeah, I will be. <laughs> anyway, our desire is not to put guilt on people. Mm-hmm. Not to at be all. helpful. It's to be helpful, and that's because Jesus has helped us in so many, many ways. Have a good day, friend. It's a really, really good day. You've been listening to the Before We Go podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please remember to rate, review, and share on whatever platform you listen. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Mainstay Ministries, Post Office Box 30, Wheaton, Illinois, 60189.